All right, welcome in. You got to use all of your fingers for this one of 40 Minutes of Pod. Louis Rabot, Jay Davis hanging out with you. Uh, the marks are busy, Jay. Uh, were you surprised to learn that Dennis's son was in an MLK production today? You know, we, you know, I, I wasn't surprised about that. I am, I am glad that has, uh, you know, those types of productions have, you know, have found their way beyond the uh, inner city, so to speak. You know, we, we need, we need, we need more, we need more people to know about Dr. King and, you know, lots of other, you know, great black people. But that's that's nice that that's nice that more people are becoming part of the celebration. There you go. All right, a little MLK. I guess that's uh. Not, yeah, this is coming Monday already. Goodness gracious, mm -hmm. man, oh, man, that sneaks up on you. Uh, you know, what's, uh, although it's a little bit more serious when there's a mattress sale uh, from MLK Day, we really haven't embraced it completely as a country yet, but we'll get there. It'll be one of those things. You ever seen those uh, those party flyers? <laughs> Usually they come out of Atlanta where, you know, there's, there's always some flyer of him like with 10 chains on and, you know, a <laughs> bottle of Douce or something like that, you know, at, at some club for, I have a dream Monday. Ladies get in free before eight and stuff like that. That's those. Those are always always uh, hilarious to me. That's just fire, man. I love it. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll get into it now. Uh, like I said, forty minute spot. Hanging out with Jay Davis at Jay Davis underscore nineteen eighty one uh, on Twitter, and then of course you can find me at Radio Louis. Like I said, Ennis and the coach. Uh, they are off tonight. Uh, but look, man, um, a lot of teams to talk about. I think the easy spot to start was Izzo's antics after um, after the <laughs> Northwestern game. And I am interested in this conversation, Jay, because I think one of the things I think we need to talk about first and get it out of the way is the fact that he had a player sh get shot over Christmas break. And I do wonder if some of this stuff does really get to coaches in a meaningful way because that – I can't imagine having to get that phone call, for example. Uh, but – at the same time, this rant really came out of nowhere. What was Jay Davis's reaction? You know, he just sounds frustrated. You know, the team's not good. I think he knows. And, you know, coaches, I mean, preseason rankings are nice, you know, it gets people excited. But I think deep down he knows they are not the, they were not the fourth best team in the country. That Marquette win just, like, was super inflated. And, you know, outside of that Baylor, that Baylor win when they shot the lights out, they haven't played well at all all year. Um, you know, this is a program that hasn't gotten past the first weekend of the tournament and only, excuse me, only gotten past the first weekend of the tournament twice in the last nine years. Um, you know, first round exits, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not counting the COVID, you know, 2021 when there was nobody in the stands when they lost in the, you know, in the, in the play-in games, but, you know, the team's underachieved, uh, for, you know, a lot of the, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the last decade and, you know, I think he sees it getting away from him. You know, I, I've said before, I think I think I personally think if he already had two titles, he would be done already. I think he's trying to get that second title and the classes he's pulling in are really good. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's just some things that that are kind of passing him by, you know, like some of the other coaches. You know, I feel like, you know, you like I, I think I said the last week, you know, we basically had. Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, and Jim Beheim all leave at the same time. And, you know, it's a changing landscape. While I think a lot of the stuff that's going on now is great for the players, you know, I think a lot of the coaches, you know, are just decide not to deal with it. And I think Izzo is almost there. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you think, I mean, if you looked at a Jay Wright, do you think that would be, if you got him a little true serum, he would say something along the lines of what you just said? Absolutely. There was a story I read, a, I skimmed it, you know, just about, 
Someone, someone that. got a hold of him and, you know, asked him, you know, if, if he wishes he was still out there. And he said unequivocally, no, um, right. you know, whether it's, it's the grind or, you know, the NIL, the transfer portal, you know, you know, we've talked about it before as a coach. Now you have to decide, am I going to use these particularly basketball? Am I going to use these three or four open scholarships to get, you know, established players, juniors and seniors to get them transferred here? Or am I going to use the money, 17, 18 year old kids? to right. mold them and hope and hope that they stay with me for three or four years, knowing the possibility exists for them to, you know, leave after a semester. So, yeah, I just think, you know, just to, to change in landscape is, you know, really affecting, you know, a lot of these uh, long in the tooth coaches. Uh, a long in the tooth coach is a man named John Calipari, who seems unfazed by many of the updates uh, to college basketball, especially this season. They go down to Florida. Uh, they're down significantly at half seven or eight points come back and win the game uh, late, have to grind it out, frankly. Uh, Jay, I talked about this on my uh, radio show here in Louisville yesterday at length. We opened the show with it, even if there was negative stuff to do, we opened with that uh, yesterday. I was impressed, Jay, because they still have, obviously, a lot of places that they can grow and get better. Uh, Florida, look, they're not world beaters, but to open conference play like that, first true road game, uh, and we're not including the Louisville game because that was not a true road game. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> just the Florida game for UK was the sort of the start of what is going to be a very, it's going to be a fun SEC season. I'm just, I'm looking forward to a lot of these games, watching UK play a lot of these teams. They're playing Mizzou right now. They're up seven, eight right now. Uh, last time I looked, they go to college station this coming weekend and mm -hmm. play Texas A&M. What did you think of Kentucky though on Saturday? And what do you think uh, is sort of their ceiling uh, now that you've seen them in some, uh, some in a true road game? Yeah, I watched that whole game. And, you know, once they, you know, when a team that's young like they are, that's ranked as highly as they have with some of the wins that they have already, when they get down in a situation like that, you want to see how they respond. And, you know, they responded like a team of veterans. You know, they just pulled themselves off the mat, you know, kept everything together late, late in the first half, you know, carry over to the second half. And they, you know, beat a decent Florida team on the road. And I think that's going to help them out. Right after that game, I looked you know, at the schedule when I saw they're going to Texas A&M, you know, this Saturday and, um, you know, just yeah. seeing how they played it at Florida in that environment, you know, I thought because Texas a and is another experienced team that was ranked in the in the top 20 in the preseason polls. That's not, they're not a slouch. They're a well, they're a pretty good team. Um, but, you know, having that experience that they had in that Florida game should, I think should carry over you know, into the Texas A&M game, you know, they've, they've got some games coming up, you know, the SEC's right early on is tougher than I thought it was going to be, you know, South Carolina's playing really good ball. Arkansas is not playing great, but you know, that's a well-coached team. That's, that's two road games in a row they're going to have, you know, coming next, coming in a couple of weeks. So I think just that experience from that Florida game, they're going to have their ups and downs, you know, obviously with them being so young, but just that experience from that young Florida game is going to stay with them for the rest of the season, I think. Basketball question for you. They call Reed Shepard for that foul at the end when it wasn't a foul, but I talked about it as being just one of those, dude, don't even throw your hand up. Like, don't give him a reason to call it. Is that kind of Jay Davis's reaction? I don't know. You know, that's that's hard. You know, they're kids. It's the heat of the moment. They, oh, it's you know, so natural to try to game. just block his shot. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That's just that's just how you play, you know, and, you know, you, you're – you're supposed to put your hand in their face. You know, you, you're like, I'm trying to make this play. And he, you know, he goes after, he goes after it, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, you can coach out, but you know, every once in a while, every, every guy that plays, you know, high level basketball is going to jump at that at least once out of every like three or four times.
Yeah, so I, I, I'm with you, uh, but be, <laughs> be better next time. Uh, up four if he doesn't foul on a three-pointer for sure. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, man, last time you were, uh, we were all together, you talked about Providence and your, your thoughts for their future. Obviously, a devastating injury has hit them. Uh, what do you think the now should be the goal for Providence this season, for example? Should they still try to make the tournament here? Is that kind of dashed for you? What do you think Providence should try to do the rest of the season? I mean, they've had a good enough start, and they play it. You know, they've had a good enough start that that should still be the goal. You know, they have 11 wins already, eight or nine more pretty much. You know, eight or nine, seven more, get to 18, you're on a bubble, get to 20 in a in a Power 5 conference, which Maybe I think the Big East, you hear a lot, you know, in that league, if they win, you know, eight, nine more games, that puts them at around five, at probably 500 or better in that league in what I think is, you know, the second best, best of the second best conference in the country is, is either the Big East or the Big 12. So I think, you know, just keep keep playing hard, you know, like, you know, we've talked about with the transfer portal and defections and things like that. You don't know how that roster is going to look next year. So those guys should keep playing as hard as they can. You know, Kim English should keep, you know, coaching like like he's coaching, you know, for a high seed, you know, so. I don't think I don't think anything should happen there now that you know that I don't think they should hang their heads on it. Obviously, he's their best player. Bryce Hopkins was their most important player, but that's still a team of good players. It's one of the best coach teams in the country, and I think their goal should still be you know be playing in you know late March. Other interesting jobs uh, that you have here on the show sheet um, between you know, Kim English and then Shaheen Holloway in those two spots between Seton Hall and Providence. Is one of those jobs better to you than the other one? I don't know. You know, Providence is, you know, I, th- I can't remember the last time Seton Hall had a lottery pick. Eddie Griffin is the first name that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they've had one since. There might be. You know, you had, mm-hmm. you had Chris Dunn, you know, go number three out of Providence, you know, in the last decade. Uh, you know, it's true. There's some there's some good ball players in Jersey, but you know they always seem to go other places. If Shaheen Holloway can keep those guys at home, you know obviously they'll be much better than they have been. Um, you know Providence right now has a little bit better of a reputation. I think I think both of those jobs are pretty much on the same level. If you were grading those two guys and you were, you know, hiring at a place like Louisville next season, would you hire either of those guys to run a program of the level of Louisville, or are they both still kind of figuring it out? I think they're both still figuring it out. And, you know, obviously Louisville's a a, a primetime job, but, you know, the jobs they have are pretty good. Obviously, you know, the money's, the money's you know, not as great as Providence Seton Hall as it would be at Louisville. But, you know, if if I'm I would I would absolutely look at both of them if I'm Louisville, just because, you know, they're both young guys, you know, they're both passionate, you know, looking at younger coaches, I think might be the thing to do now, you know, with the way, right. you know, things have changed. But. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I like I like before you take that big job, I like you to do, you know, I don't want to call it a mid-level job, but, you know, because it's still a, it's still a big the Big East is still a top tier league. But, you know, I if if that was if I was in that position, I'd be like, you know what, let me get let me get a little bit more season, especially seeing how, you know, things have gone at Louisville mm-hmm. for the last couple of coaches. You know, I I'd want to, you know, just get used to, you know, some some part off the court stuff, you know, dealing with the media and you know, having to deal with adversity and kids transferring and stuff like that and trying to answer for all that stuff. So, you know, I, all of that stuff goes along with running the program and I would want to, yeah. you know, just make sure, make sure I have all that stuff down pat before I take a huge job. Uh, Seton Hall does have a, a couple of very good wins. One of them is at Providence. One of them is beating Marquette. Is there a time 
or a scenario, Jay, where the Big East just beats up on itself so much that we stop thinking of them as a very good conference this year? Yeah, I mean, that's already started. You know, you, you know, you got yeah. UConn, uh, all of the best teams in the conference already have, you know, losses. Um, you know, Marquette's got two losses. Creighton's got two losses in the league. Uh, you know, UConn's at the top there three and one, but, you know, you know, they've got some tough games going, um, you know, coming up here. You know, Xavier, you know, they're one and two. Marquette is ranked in the top 12 and they're, you know, fifth in the league. So there's going to be a little cannibalism in every league, probably <laughs> except the Big Ten, I think. Um, and, you know, it's, this is going to be one of those years where there's going to be a lot of battle tested teams. You know, you have we always talk about all the tough games in the, in the non-conference that we watch, all those great matchups. And there's going to be that's just going to continue over into the conference part of the season. And, you know, like I just said, there's going to be a lot of battle tested teams ready to go when it comes to March. And I think that's going to make for a better tournament. Uh, my pick last week at the end of the show uh, to keep, uh, you know, a good trend going was Alabama. They tried to piss it away at Vanderbilt immediately after I said that, uh, after like a 40 <laughs> point lead in the first half. Um, and then Jay, uh, excuse me, uh, Mark Ennis gave out Wake Forest, who went ahead and won again uh, since he gave mm -hmm. them out. Obviously, you have an injury on your pick in Providence. Would you like to replace Providence? Or are you riding hard with King and uh, Kim English? I'm not gonna. I'm gonna ride hard with him. You know, it's still it's there still it early January. You know, I'm not. Yep. I'm not gonna jump off the bandwagon just yet. <laughs> well, good. All right. Well, there you go, Coach English. How about that? Um, all right. Well, uh, Coach, obviously out tonight. We'll go to his list tonight. Last week, uh, and they will uh, reintroduce this at the beginning of February. Uh, where we go into a bracketology, try to pick out of that bracketology who we think will make the final four. We're not doing that this week, Jay. What are we doing instead? Well, in honor of, you know, our our opening conversation about Coach Izzo, I, and it just kind of <laughs> came, came into my mind last night, you know, while I'm watching Michigan football win a national title, which their first, yeah, sure. first, First outright title since the Korean War. First outright title since eight years before Brown. Brown before Brown versus the Board of Education. First outright title since like twenty-two years before integration. Uh, first outright title. I think Jackie Robinson was in his second year in the majors. What I'm trying to say is they haven't won an outright national title in a very long time. And you know when your rival does that, I'm I'm a lot different now <laughs> than I would have been like ten or fifteen years ago. I would have been like, oh, I'm oh, with I you. I can't take this. Yeah. I got to go right. talk to all these people. I got to see all that. You know. Going, it, <laughs> It was it was awful here today. Rainy everywhere. Um, I I actually had to for an assignment. I had I had to go to you know the, the M Den is their store. You know, yeah, I, yeah. and take photos, and I had to do a story about you know how hot how big of a ticket you know these uh you know these t shirts and hoodies and stuff are. And ten or fifteen years ago, that really would have got to me, and it didn't get to me today. And I think another part of it is. Our football program is in such bad shape right now. I know new coach Jonathan Smith is doing a job, good job so far, but we're so far away from even being competitive for our, you know, you know, for the Big Ten that it doesn't bother me. But you know, it just made me think about, you know, just I, I have these memories in my head, you know, seeing all these people in Ann Arbor hanging off flagpoles and stuff like yeah. that. It's just, you know, my five favorite Michigan State basketball games. I know we did, you know, we did something with dunks, but that was, you know, that was more, you know you know, more nationally, national on more of a national topic, but I just wanted to talk about, you know, just Michigan State, my five favorite Michigan State moments since I enrolled on in the, at the school in 1999. So number okay. five for me, number five for me is uh, the Sweet 16 in 2003 against Maryland. That team wasn't very good. 
Um, you know, it was a young team, you know, with Chris Hill, Allen Anderson, Kelvin Torber, Paul Davis, Mo Ager. And somehow they get to the Elite Eight. I remember that specifically because that was a Friday night. I think we were having a party in our little 800 square foot apartment. And, you know, it was that was a night game and just seeing how excited everybody got. And then we go right into this right back into this party. That's just one of those things that's like etched into my head. I, you know, people, what do they call them? Core memories. That's just a core memory of mine <laughs> that I will always have. Um, number four is the Iowa State game from 2000, you know, freshman year, just watching that, that was- game. You know, I, I think about that. Well, I don't think I don't think any of my friends had cars on campus yet, you know, because we weren't allowed to as freshmen. You know, I just yeah. think back on it. I'm like, why? I'm like, why did we not try to drive to that game? You know, it was an hour away. But know. you know, just watching that game in my dorm room, and you know, just thinking, all right, if we win this game, I think we're going to win the whole thing. Because Iowa State, you know, that team, you know, Jamal Tinsley and uh, uh, Marcus Pfizer, who was a lottery pick, yes. <laughs> that was a great team. Larry Stacy, that was like the prime of his coaching career. Yep. And then, you know, they pull that off with the big alley-oop to Morris Peterson out of a timeout late in the game. That was just one of those things where I'm like, right, we're definitely going to win the championship. Number three for me is the 2009 Final Four. I was actually at that yes. game. Yes, um, I was too. You know, I did just, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, why didn't I think we were going to win that game? It just, just you kind of felt bigger and stronger than us, you know, with Stanley Robertson, uh, seems to be, uh, they had, you know, those, those old school guards, you know, with the handle. Um, but, you know, somehow we go out and win that game. It's like the loudest crowd I've ever been a part of. And I was on the other end of the court from when Darrell, Darrell uh, Summers dunked on Stanley Robinson. But that was the loudest dunk I've ever heard in my life. I don't know if they had a boom mic attached to the hoop or whatever it was. I just remember standing up in my seat and yelling <laughs> to the top of my lungs. That was just like the most amazing moment in game for me in person that, that I can remember. Um, Number two is a moment that I just can't shake. It's the, and it's I, it's a top moment because I always remember it every March. It's not because it's good. Uh, the Draymond Green foul on Gordon Hayward in the uh, 2010 Final Four. I was I wasn't at the game, but I was in it. I was in Indy for that with some buddies. Um, and you know, just I just remember you know thinking they called a foul on that. They called a foul on that. And I think you know we talk about Izzo and how he. I think he would be retired if he had two championships. That uh, that 2010, 2014, 2019, you know, there's a couple of runs in there where you think, yeah, we're not going to win. I don't think they were going to beat Duke in 2015. I didn't think they were going to beat Arizona in 2001. I didn't think they were going to beat Carolina in 2005 or 2009. But 2010, they would have beaten Duke. That was Coach K's worst title team. And, you know, just for it to be taken away just like that, was just heartbreaking and i still think about that probably three or four times a year which i might need to get help for that but i just i just can't help it uh number one is obviously you know the national championship monday night early april 2000 i'm watching in my dorm room with my buddy ro he lived next door um you know mateen cleaves gets hurt the team keeps fighting mateen comes back um you know we beat florida 89 76 a lot of people didn't think we could play that up tempo style that they like to play and we scored 90 points uh, two days after we won a game like 42 to 40 or something like that over Wisconsin. And, you know, that was just probably the one of the most amazing nights of my life. I remember we ran right out of my, we lived in the basement of our dorm. We ran right out of the, out of the dorm, right across the street to Cedar Village. There's like 10,000 people in there. We stayed out till four or five o'clock in the morning. If I can remember correctly, 
somebody will probably tell me I'm wrong that I remember them canceling class the next day. Um, mm. I remember not being able to go to the rally at, uh, at Spartan stadium because I had a test that afternoon, <laughs> that afternoon, I think it was on a Thursday. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just, you know, this, yeah, just with the season we're having right now in basketball and one of our arch rivals and state rivals winning the national championship last night in football, it just, you know, it just made me think about the good old days and when my team was really good. And at this point, I am not sure if that's ever going to be the case again. One of my favorite Spartan moments since we were in school is Corey Lucius's three to beat Maryland in 2010 in the second round. Now you talk, you you referenced that that run later on, but they needed that shot to to even move on. And it's one of those where, I mean, Draymond does the dribbling and Corey Lucius takes the shot of all things. Yeah, that, that would, Go ahead. You know, grievous grievous gas grievous yeah, fast kills out in mind for Maryland that game. That play. It's one of the funnier plays. You know, Draymond gets it. He's pushing the ball up the court. Delvin Rowe has to duck out of the way yes. before Corey Lucius doesn't get the ball. Then Corey <laughs> Lucius, who's probably the smallest guy on the floor at that point, has to pump fake to get into that three. That straightaway three, I remember Tim Brando's call, you know, it, you know, yeah. hitting off the back of the rim and going right in and, you know, them celebrating. That was the year that Kalen Lucas, you know, we were a two seed. Kalen yes. Lucas gets hurt in the first in the first round and can't play anymore. And, you know, just seeing him celebrate with him and, you know, just that I think yeah, obviously that we get to the final four. But, you know, just think that's that's another one. Yeah, there, there's so many of them. But, you know, it seems like they're all so long ago. Man, man it does feel like forever ago. Jay, you need to become uh, like many of the guys I met. You grew up with you, but we're also fans. You need to get into hockey because Michigan's really worth a damn. How about that? Yeah, you know, I, you know, the first hockey game I ever went to was at at Mud Ice Arena, you know, on campus at at State, you know, and it's what like six sixty five hundred seats. It just gets loud because everybody, everything's going up, and there, it feels like everybody's on top of each other. That it, it was a lot of fun. If you know, I got all those TVs in my basement. If they're playing, there's a couple guys, you know, group chat, you know, Scott, Scotty, and Dave. You know, if we're playing a big game, you know, you'll obviously say something too. You know, and I'll, you know, I'll put it on one of the TVs in my basement. But, yeah, I remember – I actually remember watching that 07 National Championship game in my apartment with, with one of my other buddies. So, if if we're good, I'll watch us play anything. You know, I've watched, you know, just about every sport. You know, I think what, – what was the last uh, uh, last fall that we were good at? Was it field hockey or something like that? And I watched a bunch <laughs> of field hockey tournament games. The soccer teams have been pretty good recently. Um, by the way, they're on TV, Big Ten Network, 4.30 on Saturday, playing top 20 uh, Penn State on the road. So there you go. You got a chance to uh, to dial them in. All right, man. Uh, any parting shots, any games you're looking forward to this coming weekend uh, that we need to have on our radar here as uh, as members of 40 Minutes of Pod? There are several. Uh, I actually have something down on a sheet because I will be in Las Vegas starting on Thursday. So I oh, – nice. uh, you know. You know, well, I, I won't see our game. We we're at Illinois on Thursday, which is interesting. You know, Illinois, Illinois didn't Illinois only dropped one spot in the polls after losing that Purdue, but obviously they weren't at full strength. Terrence right. Shannon is actually trying to get back for that game. So, you know, I want to see if he's able to come back. I want to see how Michigan State responds to that. Um, you know, Saturday there's a handful. You know, I know I, Georgia's not as bad as they have been. I think they already have double-digit wins. Tennessee's going on the road to Georgia. That's one of the first games of the day. Um, Kentucky going to Texas A&M, see how that goes. The game of the day on Tuesday, though, is Oklahoma at Kansas. 
Um, Porter Motors got Oklahoma playing really well. Kansas, you know, last Saturday, we're talking about some games from last week. They probably shouldn't have beaten TCU, but they were at home and, you know, they got a, they got a call late in that game to help them win. I want to see if that happens, you know, again this weekend. Um, Arkansas, Florida, I know neither team is ranked, but that's another good SEC battle. Um, you know, there's 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 a handful. Uh, Michigan State plays Rutgers again on on um, Sunday. Rutgers, you know, it's kind of falling off a little bit. Uh, yeah, there's there's a handful handful of games I got on my radar. There you go. Uh, Jake Davis underscore nineteen eighty one on Twitter. Since I've introduced him for a year and a half, I should probably know that much more quickly than I just said it. I'm at Radio Louie on Twitter. You can find me there. You can listen to me every day. Uh, Monday through Friday, 10 to noon on ESPN 680 in Louisville. And, of course, uh, Jay hangs out with me in the 11 o'clock hour on Thursdays. Are you having fun with that, Jay? It is fantastic. I love just being able to spew <laughs> nonsense for an hour about basketball. Side note that will only interest you and I, the, Pit, the Pistons scored 47 points in the first quarter. Uh, in the first quarter? With no Kate Cunningham. Yeah, no Kate Cunningham. yeah, yeah well, try to, time to tra- got to train Cunningham. Let's go. Get Kate out of here, obviously. Yes. Sell high. Um, sell high is right. All right. Well, he's Jay Davis. I'm Louis Ramon. This has been 40 Minutes of Pod. Happy MLK Day, Nolan Richardson.